everybody welcome to dad bod history the sons versus bucks edition uh, dad bod history is loaded with guys who love the nba and as things would work out a lot of them are from phoenix and some of them are from wisconsin which makes them bucks fans so we have the finals coming up here in the nba we have the phoenix suns versus the milwaukee bucks um there is history is about to be made the Suns have won zero NBA titles, as far as I can tell. And um, no, Andrew, true. correct me if I'm wrong, but the last time the Bucks won one was 1971. Is that right? Yeah, 1971 with uh, Lou Alcindor, who later became known as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So okay, it's been so, a while for us. Yeah, and there's a lot going on here. Um as I was talking about before we hit record, I'm, I'm not the NBA expert, but um, a few quick things for me to point out. The Bucks are missing their 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 big guy, their star, um, Eric, who writes up notes for these things, um, has a really cute little comment on here about opponents' injuries. And I can only imagine if somebody <laughs> else had written this, Eric, uh, they would have wondered, how have the Suns gotten so lucky? They got a hobbled Lakers team. They got a Nuggets team without one of their top line guys. Um, Suns also came in as the two seed. So it wasn't like they're playing all higher seeds and better teams. Uh, I mean, you can say it's Suns luck, but they've had their their share of unlucky moments with Joe Johnson uh, getting cracked in the face and Steve Nash getting cracked in the face and Mario Sotomayor going down with energy. Uh, you know, like the history of bad luck injuries goes back pretty far and uh, Chris Paul has had his own bad luck in the playoffs. The fact that it turned the Suns' way is not necessarily the fault of the Suns, but um, so they deserve this, is what you're saying. They deserve this run of incredible. It's about luck. time. It's about time. There we go. Nate. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Remember that first Broncos Super Bowl they won in what oh, 1997? Yeah. Just like, didn't you feel like they deserved it, Jeff? Like it was time. I was afraid to watch that game because if they didn't win it, I didn't know what I would do. I had an irrational <laughs> obsession with the outcome of that game. So um, even though I'm not a big NBA fan, I, I know what you guys are going through. I've Welcome to the last 30 years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also a Packers fan. So 1997 Broncos Super Bowl. Uh, I'm already getting hit hard here. You know what? I don't feel any, hold on. I don't feel any sympathy for <laughs> Packers fan who has, I don't know how many Super Bowl rings in the past 30 years. Um, it's something, well, I, think I mean, it's two, it's not that crazy, right? Well, that's more than most infinitely more the Cardinals than the Vikings that's another story. and the Cardinals. <laughs> and more than the Bucks and Suns. I just want to, I want to interject here and I want to tell my story from the week because, oh, you know, geez. it's, we're, we're five minutes in. And Eric has already talked about the terrible luck that he's endured for all of these years. And every time I sit down and watch a game with Eric Hoffman, the referees come up and out of his mouth, just abs like clockwork. Am Two I wrong, Nick? Am game. I wrong? Am I wrong oh in God. these assessments? That was a foul. Oh, this is, this is a rigged game. So, and, and I never I said it. it's a rigged game. You Eric is a little. You never Eric. said that ever. Never. Not ever. out loud. Not those exact words. <laughs> Not into a microphone. It might be Adam uh, Silver's in the building, you know. But that's about it. But here's here's what I wanted to say is I felt a little tiny bit of that anger that that son's anger that Eric and Nick portray all the time because I was in the grocery store the other day and I just I was chatting with this guy. I see him a lot. He's a basketball guy too. And I told him, Hey, you know, I've, I've been a Suns fan for about 10 days now. I'm super invested in this series and we're going back and forth in our, um, in our predictions. And I was legitimately, I was, yes. So I'm a lifelong Lakers fan except for LeBron. So I'm taking a couple year hiatus from the Lakers. (laughs) Um, So I might as well be a Suns fan. Right. So anyway, I, literally felt my blood boil a little bit because this guy was talking about my sons. So 
Eric, Nick, I'm, I can kind of understand 1% of your anger and just frustration over the last 30 years. So, okay, but, but I mean, and maybe I have to preface this because uh, a couple weeks ago I was back home in California. We were at swimming at somebody's house. It was game one against the Clippers and I was getting really fired up in this, this colleague of mine, she's looking at me like, what is up with you? And I had to stop and I kind of had to explain my history with the sons. The first, the first moment of the sons that I can really remember um, is like the Arizona Republic had all these pullouts of all the players from 92, 93, and I collected them all. And <clears throat> I remember the, the finals. I remember exactly where I was sitting in this exact room, in fact, that I'm in now when the Bulls put the sons down in 93. Okay, I, and I remember, you know, the tears I Axel, cried. I was in sixth three. grade. Yeah, I cried too. Don't do that. Can you to stop? Me. Can you stop? <laughs> and um, but after that moment, you know, it was kind of an investment. Um, I ended up working at the arena in the team shops. Nick was a ball boy for the Suns for several years. So there's and and I've been to plenty of games. So there's a lot of history there. It's not just casual. <clears throat> Past eleven years have been kind of casual because it's you know, you're not working with much. Right. So when I say my Phoenix sons, you know, I kind of mean, <laughs> okay, it, right? okay. So we, we, we've heard from all the long suffering sons fans. Uh, we have Andrew who is, we'll just describe as a long suffering bucks fan. Andrew, you want to tell us what that's been like for the last rest of your life? Oh well, yeah. I, I was, so I, I don't, don't remember any of the good times. Um, I'm definitely not from around 1971. So I look back fondly uh, upon the the infamous coin flip where the um, the Bucks were both expansion teams alongside the Suns, and um, they both had the like the worst records coming in, and so there was a coin flip to see who got the first pick in the draft, and that first pick in the draft was Lou Alcindor, who most people know as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and the Bucks won that flip, and that flip got us two finals appearances, one in 71 and one in 74, but got us that one Bucks championship. Um, so that, that one, uh, I think for Suns fans, and I was talking to Nick earlier about this, Nick feels like this is the revenge uh, series for that we, flip. Right. So before I get into the suffering, demons. yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but in my lifetime, the, the suffering really, you know, one of my first memories was the 2001, um, Eastern Conference Finals. It was the Bucks versus the Sixers. You had Ray Allen, um, Glenn Davis, Tim Thomas, um, and they were going up against Allen Iverson and uh, and Bucks. Nobody fans. else. <laughs> yeah, Allen Iverson. I think Mutombo was on that team, right? And mm, a couple that's right. other guys. That's right. um, but I was pretty young. Um, but anyway, Ray Allen had a great series. We ended up losing. Um, but the, the foul calls were, were two to one for the Sixers. The, we, had, I think, had 11 technicals in the series, um, a couple flagrants, and one of our guys was suspended for game seven. I forget his name now. But um, it was, uh, it was a, a series that a lot of NBA fans now look back upon and say, hey, was this rigged uh, for Allen Iverson to get in to the finals to face Kobe Bryant and the Lakers? Because um, that's what that's what they wanted. They wanted the big market team. So Bucks kind of hold that one as a chip on their shoulder. And then from there, it was a much, much better downhill. series if the Bucks had made it, you know, I think that yeah. that Bucks team was a lot better. That Philly team, it was like Cameron said, it was Allen Iverson. And that was pretty much it. It was old mm -hmm. Matumba. We needed mm -hmm. somebody to step over Tyron Lou, right? <laughs> hey, I like there that. You go. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Well, I mean, anyway, that, that kind of story, right? The, those things you look at as, as the referees, you know, it seems like it's leaning one direction and you're trying to point to it and everyone thinks you're a whacked out conspiracy theorist in a cabin in the woods. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, here, which, but when which you're, is, when which you're is a fan pretty of the close team. to right. <laughs> yeah, but when you're a fan of the team, you want to be that whacked out person in the woods, right? So. And, and you go through the highs, you go through the lows and we've as sons and bucks fans, at least we're here now. So, okay, so, yes. so let's talk about good uh, or good or great sons and bucks teams leading up to this point. Um, you mm -hmm. mentioned Lou Cinder after Lou Cinder, 
Um, have the Bucks had any big names that that average or casual NBA fans going to know about? Who have been some of their better teams in the last 40 years? Yeah, so so Oscar Robertson was uh, traded for in 1970 uh, to pair up with Lou Alcindor, and that that was the catalyst uh, to really win that 71 championship. So it was big O, Oscar Robertson, and Kareem. Um, and then in the 80s, you had Sidney Moncrief, Marcus Johnson um, were, were some of the big names. Um, and that team made the Eastern Conference Finals a couple times, but they ran into the, the great Sixers and Celtics teams during that time. Um, so never made a finals appearance during the eighties. Um, and then since I've been a fan after, after that Ray Allen trade where, uh, the Bucks sent Ray Allen to the supersonics for Gary Payton, it's been pretty rough until Giannis Antetokounmpo showed up. Um, and even those, well, those early years were, were pretty bad. I did not know Gary Payton I would argue, was ever a Milwaukee buck. I would argue Andrew that, um, you know, Michael Red was a great player. He made the uh, the Redeem team in in 08 and, you know, maybe not a big name, but he, he was a superstar 24, 25 a game guy for four or five years. Yeah, no, and, and I grew up loving Michael Red. Um, and we, we thought when we got Andrew Bogut, um, mm-hmm. my nickname when I played high school basketball was Bogut because um, my first name was Andrew and I was a big Bucks fan. Um, we thought maybe that that could make something but it, it never really turned into much more than an eighth or seventh seed in the um in the playoffs but a fun a fun guy to watch michael red especially in that those olympics um mm-hmm. michael red was fun fun yeah, yeah and, and, and the sons have had several good teams you guys can talk about um i mean there's two kind of eras that stand out in my mind there's the barkley era and then the steve nash era and there's also the yeah. paul westfall era yeah i think in the in the 70s um we got pretty good. Um, we weren't supposed to be in that finals. We were, we were a lower seed, I think in 76 and, uh, made it to the finals and, uh, pushed the Celtics to six games. And there was a triple overtime game in that finals. There was another triple OT game in 93, the only two triple OT games. So look forward to a, a long game maybe in this series. Um, but the Suns have found ways to be relevant, like in almost every decade. You know, this, I think this last decade was really the exception. You know, in the 70s, we went to the finals. In the 80s, um, they had a terrible drug scandal. And then in the late 80s, <laughs> they, it was like the worst drug scandal in NBA history. Um, and then in the late 80s, though, they traded for Kevin Johnson. And they have these, like, mm-hmm. Kevin Johnson, Dan Marley, Tom Chambers teams that are going to the second round, I think, in 90. Maybe they went to the Western Conference Yeah, they finals. kept running into the Trailblazers. The Blazers, the Lakers, yeah. We beat the Lakers one of those years. Mm-hmm. So they, they were relevant then. Um, and then they trade for Barkley, and they become relevant um, in 92-93. And then we people forget we were relevant for a couple of years after that, where we were supposed to, I think in 94-95, we, we signed into the Rockets. Manning as a free agent, we play the Rockets two years in a row in the two mm-hmm. years that Jordan was retired. The first year we're up two nothing in the series. They come back and win it. The second year we're up three, one and the Rockets come back and win it Yeah, on that, that Mario Ellie kiss of death oh, from the corner shot. Sorry. I'm that, bringing this up. That name but, brings, brings up bad but, memories, right? But it's really interesting, you know, and then we trade for Jason Kidd. Uh, that's when I worked down there at the arena. You know, we had some first and second round teams. In the Steve late Nash 90s. is a rookie. Steve in the late 90s. was a was a second team All NBA guy. And I, yeah, that's true. Before we, uh, yeah, we've had a lot of good point guards too. And so, if you look at like the top assist guys in the history of the NBA, uh, like three, or three four of the top five sons. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So back to '93 when we went into the playoffs. We were the number one seed, best team in the NBA, sixty-two and twenty. Uh, we tied that record, I think, in 2004, 2005. Um, yep, and, exactly. and in that 93 opening round, that's when it was still five games. We went down 0-2 against the Lakers. And Paul Westfall gave that guarantee after that second game, said, you know, we're going we're gonna to win on Thursday or we're going to win tomorrow and uh, we'll come back. We'll win on Sunday and then we're going to win on Tuesday and take this series. And they did. And they, they late swept the Lakers – to win that series yep. three to two and um, went on to the NBA finals against the Bulls and, and Michael Jordan. And 
you know, that is what it is, but um, if, yeah, there's some great teams in there. If you don't mind me mentioning the, the one constant <clears throat> up until uh, 10, 15 years ago with the Suns was a guy named Jerry Colangelo. And if we don't mm. mention him, we'd be, uh, we'd be making an error here. So he comes to Phoenix from Chicago very early on, may have been like early seventies goes from coaching to managing to eventually owning the team. And is he, and then his son later really are the major reasons for keeping the sons relevant. He kind of keeps them on the basketball landscape in a relatively small market. He has a really good reputation around the league. So he's always able to attract free agents. People will always talk to him and his son in trade negotiations and then they sell the team to Robert Sarver. And once they sold the team to Robert Sarver, that's when things went downhill really, really fast. And so what's happened in the last couple of well, years. Well, no, no, hold on, Nick, because Robert Sarver yeah. bought the team, I believe, in 2003, 2004. So they were. All right. He, some, he didn't, he, he didn't right. trade all the players immediately. There was some right. residual <laughs> success. But, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like, and I think. It's really interesting because he's a really respected name. He he later went on to manage USA Basketball and mm-hmm. kind of revive that organization. And um, right before we st- traded for Steve Nash, he changed the hand-checking rule because he was the head of the Board of Governors, I think, in the NBA. And that conveniently helped us um, with Steve Nash because <laughs> if you can hand-check Steve Nash, he's maybe not quite so talented. So anyway, it's a long history. And, and in all that history, we have the most playoff uh, appearances, the most playoff games as a franchise without winning a title. I think it's something like 290. And up, up through 2010, we had the most, we were the, had the highest winning percentage of any team without a championship. Yeah, exactly. So it's, we've always found ways to stay relevant. And now we have this, this opportunity. So don't ask me if I, uh, feel bad about all the injuries to the other teams because this I'll take what I can get. This is our chance. So Andrew, what are the bucks missing right now heading into this series? So Giannis. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I mean, if any of you guys watched Giannis got uh, a hyperextended knee in game four against the Hawks. Um, And, and I watched it in slow-mo over and over again. I I don't know why. I think it's because I enjoy the pain. I enjoy the pain as a Bucks fan by this point. I I was hoping one of those videos, it doesn't, you're like, see, didn't do it that time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure what got into me, but, but anyway, I mean, it, it really was, it was that like, I think the Suns fans can relate. You're like, Oh, we, we finally might break through this year. And we like, not only were we playing terrible that game and ended up losing by, by I think maybe 20 points, but it looked like the season was over. I mean, Giannis's knee bent 30 degrees backward. You're like, there's no way, um, there's no way this guy's coming back. He's, and he's probably out next year too. And miraculously the MRI showed up negative. Um, and, and it, he looks like he's going to be out. Um, he's doubtful listed as doubtful for game one, um, tomorrow. And so I, I don't expect him to play, but, According to some of his teammates, Chris Middleton, PJ Tucker, there's been kind of rumblings that if there was a game seven against the Hawks, he was going to try to be out on the court. So I think every indication is that, I mean, Giannis, they call him the Greek freak. He's a freak of nature. We've all seen him play and just do things that nobody else can do. Um, And I think he's going to kind of try to defy all odds um, to get back on the court. I personally think he's coming back. If, if the Bucks lose tomorrow, game one, I think he'll, he'll probably come back game two. Um, if the Bucks somehow steal it, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he, he comes back in game three. Um, and then mm-hmm. Dante DiVincenzo, our starting shooting guard, has been out um, since the first round, um, which mm-hmm. is it, definitely a big hit, but it's nothing like a two-time MVP. You know, Abdul Nader is still not feeling 100%, so I think it's pretty much a wash. Balances out. He, he's gotten some. Game, he's gotten some time in. I think we might be okay. Well, and, and should Monty Williams be playing uh, Abdul Nader? I don't know what you, what you Suns fans think, but I have not been impressed. That was a little bit of a weird decision. I think he actually got out coached in specifically that game five loss. It was a little bit weird. It was almost like he was looking ahead and wanted one more like swingman defender to be like ready to play, but. It's kind of hard to look ahead in game five. 
So Eric, in your notes, you've got how we got here. And your first mm-hmm. bullet point is the bubble. You want to yeah, walk I, through? I think the bubble is, is kind of interesting. We talked about the bubble last year. We had how many months where NBA was just shut down and all these players who might've been hurt or injured. Um, <clears throat> but we had like three or four months off from NBA basketball, right? Shut down middle of March and came back, what, end of July? Something like that. So a ton of time off everyone was able to get healed, work on things. And all these teams come back to the bubble. I think, um, how many teams per conference? Was it 10 or 11 teams? Like a certain number of teams. Everyone played eight or nine games. Obviously the Suns go eight and oh, the Bucks are already locked in. I think they were a two seed uh, once the playoffs started. The Suns had a fantastic eight and oh run, still weren't able to get into the playoffs, but it was I think one of the most memorable things coming out of the bubble, but right as uh, the bucks were starting to get rolling and I don't remember which round, um, you know, we had this summer that was kind of locked in with all of these uh, civil rights issues and social justice things. And in the middle of that, in August, we have that officer involved shooting in Racine. Is that correct? Wisconsin. And And I feel like that moment was there's was too much connection to Milwaukee. And it's almost like that's the moment the Bucks kind of faltered in the playoffs. And because I was, I was rooting for the Bucks um, in, in those playoffs, I went to college in Wisconsin, you know, obviously one of my best friends is a, a Bucks fan. So I was kind of rooting for the Bucks. There's no one on the Bucks. I, that irritates me. There's no Patrick Beverly's. Um, so Oh, just wait till you see a couple games with PJ. Yeah. Give me 30 seconds. I'm going to find somebody to hate, but uh, you know, the Suns had that eight, no streak. It kind of rolled us into this season, but the bucks had that big letdown. I feel like Uh, they lost to the heat and then it was just kind of over for them. So what do you see in the bubble? I guess anybody that's gotten us here. And by the way, the bubble, if, if everyone's going to throw it, um, this is an asterisk year for the Bucks or the Suns. Then last year was an asterisk for anyone in the playoffs because. Like the Lakers. Yes. Why would this be an asterisk year yeah. for the Bucks I mean, or the Suns? Or- it's, it's the same question that we brought up earlier with all the injuries, right? We are going up against weaker teams with injured players. Like, um, those are just excuses. Hey, it's a legitimate way to win a championship. Just ask Tom Brady. That's how he won last year. He got, he ran up yeah. against the the Chiefs team that was beat down. Um, I, I think I think if you're going to put an asterisk on anything, it's the bubble season because mm-hmm. that was such an outlier in the way that the whole mm-hmm. season was run and where are the fans and what's going on. But uh, I mean, if you're if you get a good run and opponents who are injured, that's that's the way it goes. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. a lot of teams you, you just need to make it into the tournament. And then see what happens when you get there. And yeah, you got to play the two franchises have made it to that point. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, you, you could say that, you know, who are the nuggets missing? Uh, Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray. Yeah. Yeah. They're missing Jamal Murray. They're their number one point guard. Um, but still the Suns trashed them. They beat him in four. So it's hard mm-hmm. to say Jamal Murray, Jamal Murray would have made much difference. Um, uh, the, the Lakers look old, man. I don't know mm-hmm. that. I don't know that they would have beat the Suns with their whole roster. So um, anyhow, I, I, I think the Suns are a legitimate team. Have they benefited? Almost certainly. But um, I, I, I think that they're a good team. It's not like they're a fluke. But I think you can also play the other side of the coin when it comes to the Suns, right? Is they beat last year's champion and, you know, the kind of the incumbent best player in the world, LeBron. You know, they beat this year's MVP in Jokic and beat him badly. And then this year, yeah, you know, the, the Celtics was, they, they had their main guy go down. Yes. But um, what, what's his name? Uh, Paul George is a, is a hell of a player. And he took over a couple of those games and single-handedly won. So they didn't exactly back into this series. It was, yes, you're right. As Jeff said, they benefited from some solid luck, but they beat good teams. And, you know, I remember, I was talking to my brother-in-law, Donnie, they, they were down 2-1 against the Lakers. And I thought, you know, here we go again. Suns are going to are gonna 
just blow it again. They can't win the big one. And I started lamenting about that because I was pulling for the Suns at that point. And they found a way to win. Devin Booker had his 40, 49 or 47 point closeout mm-hmm. game against the uh, the Lakers. And that's the type of guy that can propel you into a championship. You know, if, if he gets hot, has a couple of 40, 50 point games, which is, you know, not unheard of for him. They they're sitting pretty right now, in my opinion. So I'm going to kick it over to Andrew because uh, I talked about the Suns bubble. What did you see out of the the bubble from the Bucks? Yeah, just really quickly, I, I think uh, on the injury note, like people wanted to discount the Toronto Raptors um, title as well. Um, but, you know, Kawhi went through some tough teams with Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam and, and those guys. And, yeah, they didn't play KD and um, play Thompson um, in the finals, but it, the, the road to get there was not easy. Um, and so going back to the bubble, um, you, you know, the – the Bucks had that that catalyst of a moment that felt like it might kind of propel them to a championship where they didn't show up on the court of I think it was Game Three or Game Four against Orlando in the first round. Um, it was the the day after the the police shooting in um, in Wisconsin, um, and they decided to to not show up on the court. Um, and they said, you know, there's bigger things happening than um, than basketball right now. And, and it was George Hill that really led that movement. Um, And I kind of thought, oh, you know, this is going to bring the team together. Um, And and I'm not sure if that was something where people just felt like there was bigger things in basketball and that ended up affecting their on-court play. But um, they ended up, you know, beating Orlando and then they were playing uh, the Heat in the second round and things just kind of fell apart. The offense went stagnant um, and and Jay Crowder uh, lit us up. Um, and so I have some fear going into the sun series because, you know, the last time the bucks lost a playoff series, Jay Crowder was draining threes all over the court, um, all over Giannis. And it, it, uh, it started to kind of, I mean, Jimmy Butler kind of took over as well, but it, it was a, it was a bad experience, um, for sure. And I think it left a, a sour taste in, you know, the Bucks players and the, the Bucks fans. Um, but, you know, going into the season, going into the playoffs, the first round, we swept the heat. So we exercised that demon. Um, and then now it might be time to, to exercise the, the Jay Crowder demon as well. But um, I'm not sure. We'll see. That, that Jay Crowder is a mixed not... bag. He's, he's a mixed bag. I hadn't thought about that, Andrew. I think that's what you're going to say, Eric. That but... fact had escaped me as well in the yeah. – just some of the 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 intertangled history between these two teams and and separate players. My thought was, did Monty Williams go get Jay Crowder, thinking if we make it to the finals, we're going to be playing the Bucks? Um, so, Maybe not Jay Crowder, but Tory Craig. I don't know. You know, he came over midseason. That's right. That's I like right. Him. He's been good for us. Yeah, been really good. Jay Crowder is an interesting experience to have on your team. He he can go through three or four game stretches where he hits everything and then he goes super cold. He has no problem launching threes as soon as he catches the ball. So we'll see what happens in this series. Hopefully he's hot. Yeah, but I mean, I, every time he hits a three, it's kind of a bonus point. That's that's not why he's out there. He's a good defender. And, you know, in, in game six or whatever it is, he killed it and hit, what, four threes or something. But yeah. he's out there to stop the other team's best player, really. Yep. No, he's, he's really good at that role. So, yeah. <laughs> Talking about connections between, you know, Bucks and Suns players, too. I, I, I made a short list. Um so one person that's not playing in this playoff is Eric Bledsoe, um, who is both on the Bucks and the Suns. Um, right. I think <laughs> we both disliked that experience, didn't we, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, uh, Eric Bledsoe, the guy, uh, seemed like a great guy, but just killed us in the playoffs. And uh, yeah. I think Suns fans had a sour taste at the ending of that one. Yep. And then, you know, P.J. Tucker, longtime Suns player. And mm. then... Um, one of my favorite connections is uh, Dragon Bender actually had a stint with the Bucks, and that might be another sour taste left in the the mouths of Suns fans. One of many terrible draft picks in yeah. the mid two thousands. High draft picks too. 
another note uh, I saw just connections. Obviously, they're both expansion teams, 1968-69. And on, uh, the Bucks beat the Hawks on Saturday night, correct? At that point, yeah. the Hawks, Suns, and Bucks were the only teams left in the NBA this year. In 1968, the Suns and Bucks were expansion teams, and the Hawks had just moved to Atlanta from St. Louis. So a 53-year span of history and these three are the three that are left and they're the ones that made moves in 1968 to where they are now which is just an odd note um something that i really like about those three teams for example and i hope it it's an indicator of what's going to happen in other markets like like uh those three is that you know you have all these teams who are recruiting these big players and creating super teams and it's not a new thing right miami did it um I mean, even Cel- the Lakers, Celtics in 08 did it. The Lakers, that was the first the, team to really do it. That's true. That's true. So it's not, it's not like a super new thing, but it's really fun to see some of these younger players staying with their teams. Mm-hmm. You know, Devin Booker resigned. People were actively calling for him to go to another place. He resigns. Giannis resigns. Um, Trey Young still on his rookie deal, but Looks like, I mean, he's giving every indicator that he wants to build a winner where he is. And mm-hmm. I like that. I think it creates more parity in the league. Um, I think you give opportunities to these franchises to be good. I mean, those three franchises are a perfect example. It's really hard to build a winner. The, the Suns were a little better at being relevant uh, before because of their owner, I think. But, you know, if you don't have that kind of magic, then it's hard to not be L.A., not be New York, you know, not be Boston. So. I like that. Yeah. And and you guys made the point earlier um, about Phoenix and their their uh, ability to get free agents and, and to sign guys. And, you know, they've done a really good job of that. But as far as like a super, super, super star, you know, the last one I, I feel like was, you know, not just a great player, but put butts in the seats was Barkley. And yeah you know, they've, they've had really good players, but you know, that superstar, which is to your guys point, there's, there's nobody on that Suns team that I feel like is a MVP candidate that, you know, everybody's going nuts over um, all great players, you know, a lot of really good players on that team. But I think the, the star power wise is, is refreshing for the Suns is, you know, they've got, good players, but they don't have a clear number one head lead guy like the Bucks do in Giannis. Yeah. Maybe Chris Paul would have been more of an MVP candidate earlier in his career. Yeah. A couple years ago. Can justify now, but right. yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a team of, of uh, mm-hmm. talented guys as opposed to like one headliner. Right. So, so in getting out and making predictions, um, the world's greatest predictor of all sporting events is, of course, Las Vegas. Uh, the current spread is Bucks plus six and a half. So um, I don't know what the standard home team is. That for the series is. or the game? The first game? No, that's for that's game, game one. one. Okay, <clears throat> that's game one. And the money line is Bucks plus two twenty. So that means if you bet a hundred dollars on the Bucks and they win, you get your hundred ducks back and two twenty. Well, the Suns line is minus two thirty eight. That means you've got to bet two hundred and thirty eight dollars. If you bet that, you get your two thirty eight back plus a hundred dollars. So, um, the the Suns are pretty significant favors favorites uh, as far as Vegas is concerned. Hmm. And, and Jeff, for this series, I was just looking earlier, and the Suns I think were at minus one ninety five, and the Bucks were plus one sixty five the series um and i mean a lot of that um has to do with Giannis currently right. being out with no timetable to return and mm-hmm. i think it'd be a lot closer to a pick if you had a full full and healthy Giannis. well um, it's the full and healthy right i mean if he comes yeah. back is he is he limping around out there or is he a contributor so and, and, and Andrew, nobody knows that you've you've walked the watched the bucks all year you know what Giannis looks like on a day-to-day basis i mean What's your gut say as to how big a role Giannis is going to play in this series? Yeah, I think I think the best answer to that is 
is if, if Giannis isn't a significant contributor in this series, uh, I think the Bucks' chances of winning are are pretty very, very slim. I mean, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez, all great players, but but they're streaky and, and they can steal a few games for you like they did with the Hawks. But mm-hmm. Giannis is the consistent, you know, he, he's the two-time MVP for a reason. Sure. Um, he, you know, he really like, you know, night in, night out is going to put up 30 and 10 plus in the playoffs. And and in the first two games when they played the Suns, he, I think he had 47, the first one and 33 in the second one. Um, and, and he was really going at Deandre Ayton um, and Jay Crowder at times um, and, and putting on the numbers. And I just don't think without some contribution from Giannis, at least, you know, pulling the defense away from some of our shooters, um, it, it's just not going to happen. So, um, you know, I think, but I do think Giannis is going to come back and make a difference. I mean, and you know, he's going to lay it all out there. The guy works mm-hmm. incredibly hard. He plays incredibly hard and and he's not going to hold back even if his knee is telling him to. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of expect the Bucks to, to probably lose games one and two. Um, but I think they have a real chance to, to kind of hold home court. And then once you get into games five, six, and seven, you know, who knows, right? So... And, and I, I think, think it's I, I think it's interesting to know that, you know, just Giannis's style of play is, you know, he's got the length to play in the post. It's not really his default, but he's got the length to, you know, make the game a little bit easier on himself to really do some damage in the post and, and maybe change his game temporarily um, to contend with that knee a little bit. And I think he's more capable of doing that than you know, say a, a point guard or something like that. When, when Trey young was out and he was hurt, he's so reliant on his speed and his quickness, you know, he was pretty much toast when he was injured, but Giannis, if, if like, like you said, if, if he can be a factor um, that's absolutely huge for his team. Yeah. And I think with Giannis, it's like, you look at him and his explosiveness is what makes him so good in, in many ways. And you think the knee might hamper that, but also he still has the length. He still has right. the strides and he still has right. upper body strength. Um, and, and I think he can, even at, you know, 90% can really affect the game. Um, Absolutely. With that, with that length and strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And okay. I think- guys, um, absent Giannis being in this series, Who's uh who's everybody's favorite to win the series MVP? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, Cameron, I guess... let's start with you. Who's going to win the MVP of the series if you had to if you had to bet the farm right now? I think Devin Booker has the best opportunity to win the MVP. Um, he, he's a high scoring guy, super talented guy, and he can get points in bunches. So typically, an MVP doesn't have a bunch of twenty point games. He has a huge you know he'll have a 47 point game or he'll have that superstar standout moment and i think devin booker is more capable of that than anybody else including chris paul nick what do you think i think uh i think cameron's right devin booker's stats might be better at the end but i think this is such a chris paul heavy story for everybody that the story will lean toward Chris Paul if the Suns win. And if he just doesn't have a ton of turnovers and has like decent stats, he'll get the votes and he'll win. Yeah, he, he could win it uh, just based on sentimentality and, yeah. and a decent series mm-hmm. could win it over a great series. Um, last Suns fan, Eric, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, Cameron and Nick are both right. I think, you know, Devin Booker is the one who's probably going to put up the better stats, but if Chris Paul takes over one pivotal game that turns the series or puts some momentum in the series, it'll easily go Chris Paul. Okay. So, so the, Andrew, I've got a two part question for you. One, who do you think is going to win the the MVP of the series? And then two, is there a way for the bucks to lose the series and Giannis to win the MVP? Uh, no, I don't think so. They're the second part of that question. I think, uh, yeah, I think, if the Suns win it, it's going to be either Booker or Paul. And, and I agree that the narrative um, around Chris Paul is going to give him a little bit of extra push among the, the voting panel. Um, 
I do think the Bucks have a really good shot at winning this series. Um, the Bucks fans have a, a slogan, Bucks in six, that was coined by Brandon Jennings. And so that's going to, you know, I think they have a chance to to win this series on their home floor in in uh, in game six if if they if they can get in that position. Um, and if that is the case, it's really between Middleton and Giannis. And I think I think it's got to be Giannis um, will be the the MVP if the Bucks win. I just don't see how the Bucks beat the Suns without a big series from Giannis. And, and it's a huge question mark because we don't even know if he's playing for the first two games. Um, but I, I just don't see the Bucks winning it without, without a big series from him. And so um, my prediction is that, you know, if the Bucks do win, it is going to be Giannis that, that makes that happen and subsequently wins the MVP. Is the NBA finals, is it 2-3-2 or is it 2-2-1-1-1? 2-2-1-1-1. Okay. That that probably favors the Bucks, I would guess, because you get a little more time for Giannis to heal up. I don't know, man. I hate that two three two. It almost takes away all home court advantage. Two two yep. one 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 is it's better for everybody, I think. Agreed. Yeah, I'm glad they're back to the old school style. And they do have a couple days. They have extra days between games, between games uh two and three four and five, and I think six and seven, there's, there's some built in extra travel days. And of course you're going across the country, right? You're going East to West. So that's. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, listen, let's time. wrap this up with a, uh, with a prediction of who's going to win and in how many games um, Andrew is our guest. We'll start out with you, uh, the, the lone Bucks fan. So we'll, we'll weight this heavily when we do all the math later on. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I think this is going to be a close fought series. Um, and that's mostly because I think Giannis is going to come back and make an impact on the series. If he doesn't, I, I could see it getting out of hand and, and kind of slipping towards, towards the Suns. But I, I'm going to stick with, you know, what, um, what I think could be, be a real possibility is, is the Bucks have a chance to close it out in game six, um, up three, two and they're able to close it out on their home floor. And so my prediction is bucks and six. All right. Um, on the sun side, we're going to go from least obnoxious fan to most obnoxious uh, since Cameron is only uh, being a sun's fan just to kind of balance things out. We'll start with you, Cameron. Um, yeah, not, I, I just don't see Giannis being a huge contributor um, he's probably going to sit out game one. Um, you know, they'll have to bring him back game two. He'll probably be a little bit hobbled. Um, I don't see Giannis being himself until game three. Um, I think the Suns are going to win the first two games. Then they've got to go back to Milwaukee. Um, I, I think the Suns will probably close this out in, in five games. Wow. Okay aggressive nick what do you think <laughs> uh the suns have closed out every team so far this playoffs on the road i'm going to keep that going and say suns and six yeah th- this whole uh suns and four thing has kind of been uh, are they making t-shirts with suns and four is that yes. a thing in, they, in arizona my wife has a, a tank top with the suns and four all right mm-hmm. and as the most arrogant and most passionate Suns fan, Eric. Let's go ahead and hear it. I just teed that up for you. What do you got? Let's so, hear a prediction. I'd love a Suns in four. That'd be fantastic, but that would make for a very boring series as well. Um, I think this is going to be a much better series than that. I'd love Suns in five because I'd love them to win on home court in front of mm-hmm. these fans. That, that would be so special for everyone. However, I don't think that's going to be possible. Um, but I do think it's going to be Suns in six. I think that's that's kind of how it's going to roll. And I actually think I think the Bucks, if I'm going to be totally honest with myself, will steal one of these first two. But I think mm. the Suns are going to go steal one in Milwaukee. And so through four games, it'll be two two. Um, well, and here's the other thing: is I mean, since the NBA is so rigged, and this is such a garbage finals with these two <laughs> small market teams that nobody cares about they're bringing the only way Tim to make this inter- 
the only way to make this interesting is to get it to game seven, which is it. I, I don't care if you live in LA or uh, on the moon, you're watching game seven, yeah. even a casual sports fan will watch game seven. Yeah. So, anyhow, so just based on conspiracy theory alone, which apparently is that your prediction? Is, oh yeah. So yeah, who takes it in seven? Alive and well in the NBA. Um, I think <laughs> High the game in seven. seven because Giannis and the uh, the powers that be. He's the superstar. If you've got the uh, if you got the king makers at the NBA putting this together, he's definitely the one. We put hey, away the MVP games, in four. Both, both games this uh, this season between the Suns and the Bucks in the regular season, one point games, both of them. Just so that's some foreshadowing what we have coming up because uh so, it'll be interesting think- i mean I'll, I'll i'll be watching from afar for the first couple of games but if we get into game six game seven mm-hmm. i will almost certainly mm-hmm. put that on my television nick what do you think the chances are of a triple overtime for the third time for the suns in the finals <laughs> <laughs> what's vegas have to say about we, that we, with what nick i mean that's quite a prop bet nick with what you just told me both games decided by one point <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it. I just the honest thing is what throws everybody off, right? Mm-hmm. And I think as a basketball fan, I wish he was totally healthy because I'm ready yeah. to see these two teams battle it out, you know. Uh, but I'll take my title without him if that's what it comes down to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the chances are of triple OT, but that would be amazing to see it. Kevin Johnson, 1993, played 62 minutes in that triple OT. What, what game was that, Nick? Game three. Game three. in the first one in Chicago. So the Suns were down 2-0. Okay. Going in. That's right. That's right. And then Jordan had his his 55-point game in game four. Yep. And yep. then the Suns okay. squeaked one out in game five. Right. And then game. But that and was a back to Yeah, because that was two three two, right? Yep. That was two no. three two. I don't no, the, think so. Um, because that's the only way that game six would have been in Phoenix because the Suns had home court. That's right. So the, Oh, they were the higher, they were the higher seated best team. Yeah, in the year. Oh, really? Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So that was, I hadn't thought about that in a while that that was two, three, two that year. Hmm. Strange. No, I was, I was trying to look up some uh, some prop bets here, but the the NFL is killing the NBA on interesting prop bets. Everything on the NBA is <laughs> it's over unders and stuff like that. Nothing like will will a fan run onto the field naked? None of that. There's no <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. All right. Well, hey, right, we'll um, see what happens. Yeah, if anybody's got anything else to close this out, any closing statements from uh, from either side here? I think an underrated part of the the series will be trying to stop the um, Suns pick and roll. Uh, nobody runs a pick and roll better than than CP3, and it'll be interesting to see how the Bucks defend that because it's probably going to be Lopez um, guarding the screener, and they're going to have to be really tricky with defending the Suns shooters because they've got a lot of them. It's the best pick and roll since John Stockton. It's outstanding. It's beautiful. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we didn't get to talk about X's nose too much, but Booker and Chris Paul in the mid range, um, they feast in the mid range off of those pick and rolls um, mm-hmm. and the bucks give that shot up. And so I expect them early on um, to, to really hit a lot off of pick and roll with Aiden. Um, mm-hmm. And, but I, I do think, you know, coach bud, Mike Budenholzer for the bucks, has been willing to make adjustments throughout the playoffs this year, unlike some past years. And, and I think we can expect to see some, some switching one through five and some small ball lineups um, from the bucks with Giannis at center, if he's healthy. Um, yeah. and, and I think they'll just switch every pick and roll. Um, and then it's just a question of will Chris Paul and Devin Booker make whoever switched on to them pay. Um, and I think we'll get to that point. I'm not sure we'll see it in game one, but um I think that'll determine a lot of this series and how far it goes. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see who guards um, Paul because, you know, conventional wisdom might say uh, Drew Holiday, you know, first team, all defense matches up point guard wise, but putting a bigger guy, a bigger body on Paul on that high screen and roll, maybe a PJ Tucker 
having him guard him in, in certain situations might be a, an interesting look. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. I think we might see some Tucker and Paul all on mm-hmm. 2018 Rockets. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, should be good either way. Nick, Eric, any final words of wisdom over there? No. Eric, I haven't seen you ex- this excited about anything since the day I met you. This is really this is a beautiful <laughs> thing to watch. Last time we were here, and I was in sixth grade. So, um, you know, since then I've become a teacher. I've become a coach, and um, it's it's just an exciting time to you know. I'm in Phoenix right now to start this series, and uh, it'll be fun to watch them play. And um, after 11 years of mediocrity and not showing up and not being relevant, it's it's exciting. Yeah. You know, it's fun for me too. I lived in the Valley for 13 years and um, I don't know anything about the bucks, but I do like Giannis. He's an amazing player. He's one of those, he's a transcendent player, like a, like a, like, like a Brett Favre or someone like that. doesn't matter if he's on your team or not. You just love watching him play. And um, I, I think it could be an interesting finals. There's some great storylines. Uh, Chris Paul's first final in 16 years and, can Giannis come back from the injury? Uh, there's there, there, there's a lot for the casual fan to tune into and watch here. Yep. All right. Well, hey, uh, Nick, always a pleasure. Andrew, thanks for joining us. Eric Cameron, and uh, thank you from everybody here at DadBot History. Looking forward to the NBA Finals. Uh, we may or may not do this along the way, depending on if this gets interesting. If we get to Game 7, we're absolutely doing this. Um, along the way everybody out there if you could please uh, like subscribe and comment share this with your friends and family uh we would appreciate it so from everybody at dad history thank you <laughs>